Hey, welcome to the uh, program. Uh, just a quick update on the Nazarene Fund. Um, we, uh, we're in critical time period right now, and we could sure use your prayers. We need prayer coverage on the ground, on all of the people involved, uh, and uh, for a couple of miracles to happen uh, this weekend. And hopefully I'll have more to tell you on Monday, but please pray. Um, this podcast today is a little bit of... <laughs> I think it's all a reflection of September 11th. Where we are today is because of September 11th. And I remember September 11th, 2001. And if I would have looked 20 years in the future, I wouldn't have believed this was our nation. But here we are. We talk a little bit about the president and his new power through OSHA to regulate all things. His uh, dismissal and uh, getting rid of, quote, getting them out of the way, are governors so he can rule. Also, we have stories that you've never heard from the World Trade Center pl- taking places you, uh, you never even thought about. At least I hadn't. And Bill O'Reilly with the news of the day, all on today's podcast. In God we trust on the money. Why are we having God we trust? I know. I think it's a little outdated. I think it's a little dusty. I'm thinking you're not the boss of me. What do you think? As our new national motto, you're not the boss of me. Um, Because that's exactly what the government is trying to do. They're trying to tell us exactly what to do. And they're trying to teach people a lesson. You don't have the authority. You don't have the power to make a difference. And I'm here to tell you, yes, you do. I, I, I think actually we should adopt the slogan, the old uh, Barack Obama. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. You can't. You can't control your own body. Yes, we can. You can't control your own state. Yes, we can. You can't go into Afghanistan and save people we left behind. Yes, we can. There's a congressman that has uh, been trying uh, hard uh, to get over to Afghanistan and save people. Uh, last week, uh, he was reported missing and very irresponsible, according to the State Department. Uh, then he popped back up on the radar, and I'm going to have you uh, have him tell the story. Congressman Mark, Main, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen is uh, joining us now. He is the congressman from Oklahoma. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Glenn. How you doing? I got to say, it's a, a pleasure to be on your be on your show. I've listened to you for listened to you for years. In fact, I met you a long time ago uh, when you came into Tulsa to do an event for KFAQ. That was oh my gosh. in politics. Wow! So, wow! Uh, well, thank it, you, and, and to be on your show. Thank you. It's an honor to have you on the show. I uh, I'd love for you to tell the uh, the audience exactly what you did and how difficult it was for a U.S. congressman to go into uh, Afghanistan and try to save people? Well, first of all, I, I just want to make it very clear. I went in as a citizen, not as a congressman. I, I wanted to make that. I, I, I went on a blue passport or so to say on a blue passport. Now, you need to have a passport to get in Afghanistan right now. But uh, and, and the State Department literally fought us every way. And every time I hear the president, I hear Secretary Lincoln, I hear General Milley or General McKenzie go out there and talk about a, every American that wanted out could have got out and how 
they were negotiating with the Taliban, which when, when did we as a nation negotiate with a terrorist organization? Right. Um, saying that, you know, they, they negotiated self-passage. All that is a flat out lie. Even when they go out there and said that they helped four Americans, Miriam and her three kids, get out of, of Afghanistan, that's a flat out lie. It was my team and I, and really my team that I was blessed to be able to work with because I'm the low man on the totem pole that worked tirelessly for three weeks to get her out. And not one time did the State Department help us. In fact, at one time they told us that they weren't going to assist me in any way. And, uh, and, and so it, it's, it's a it's not even a, it's a it's a bold faced lie when they're saying this stuff and they have to be held accountable. But what's amazing to me, Glenn, is how many Americans, true Americans, um, veterans and non-veterans uh, and, and private individuals and, and, and companies and, and nonprofit organizations, including yourself, that have stepped up in a big way. And I want to thank you because we know you're out there and you're helping. We know that you have. You have put finances behind this, and uh, because there's all we're a small group that's over there working still, yeah. And we know who's over there helping, and I just want to thank you for what you're doing because you're making a big difference too. I mean, you're really poning up and, and helping in huge ways, and we've been trying to help you in the backside too, trying to get some I of know. those lights out of Messrs. Reef. I know. And um, in fact, we have guys out there that's working on, it, and I don't know if you know this, but we we I offered the State Department I, on one of your one of your planes. We offered the State Department. I spoke to him myself. I said, listen, if you're concerned about the manifest sheet. Let me use one and I'll put only AMSETs and SIVs. I'll give you a complete manifest sheet. I'll tell you everybody that's on it. I'll give you a copy of their paperwork, a copy of their passport. We will put people on it and we will fly back with them and make sure the flight is secure. And they still wouldn't give us clearance to leave. And oh, it's, I, it's disheartening on uh, how that happened. Uh, I will tell you, um, last week, I don't know if you've heard this, Congressman, but uh, last week the State Department openly laughed and mocked us. They laughed yeah, at us and mocked us. Uh, are you familiar with the story of where they I, said I that, yeah, we needed we needed a different kind of paperwork. We said, where, where do you get that yeah. paperwork? And they said, the yeah. embassy. And we said, there is no embassy. And the they embassy. laughed, right. laughed at us and said, well, you're just going to have to work on that then, I guess. What? Do you know what they told me? They said, we don't control the airspace over Afghanistan anymore. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. Well, then, 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 then we don't need your permission to leave. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Uh, no, because you have to enter our airspace. Well, how do we get to that point? We can't help you on that. And it's absolutely absurd. I mean, why is this administration fighting us so hard to do a job that they failed to do? So, why is it? Why are, they, why are they doing this? Other than just the fact they're trying to squash the story and make it go away. So, I, I can't understand it. There are several reasons, and I, 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 I'm not sure what's right, but squash the story to make it go away. Teach Americans, don't you dare step out of line. You cannot go around us. If we say we can't do it, you're not doing it, uh, which is unbelievable to me. Um, the other is, I mean, then you get down to things like, I don't know, they're evil. I mean, the, some of the <laughs> stuff that's going on is when you're mocking people who are trying to save American lives as well as the lives of women who have been promised to be brides of the Taliban yeah. and you are mocking them, doesn't that kind of fall into the category of evil? I, 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 I will be real quick to say it has to be because who, who could do this? You know, we got, we got, we have, 
we've got four Americans out. The team that I've been blessed to work with, we're the only ones that's actually got the Americans out so far. And we had to take her over 300 miles and her three kids across the land through Afghanistan, which isn't easy to do, to finally get her out. And three o'clock in the morning on Labor Day, I'm on the phone with her while the gentleman has threatened to kill her, to kill her if she came, if she tried to approach again. We have guys on the other side of the bridge negotiating with the Taliban, and I hate to say it, but trying to re- trying to get her released, trying to convince them that they're American citizens right. and they should release them. Right. Uh, and, the, and the State Department said that they did that, which they didn't. But here's another thing. Right now, as we speak, we have 23, the team that I'm working with, we have 23 AMSETs, American citizens, in safe houses. And you know a safe house in that area is only safe until the first time you use it. Yep. Uh, getting supplies is, is nearly impossible. We can't get any type of medication. And I've got a young girl right now. I've got a mom and two, and two young ladies, two young girls. The, one of the young girls has severe infections in her legs. The State Department knows this because we, we she was in Kabul and we were trying to get the State Department to help us get her through the gate because of her severe medical need. And they couldn't help us. We've had to now transport her to another country. And I'll tell you where she's at. She's in Caduce. Um, and we have her up in a safe house and we, she can't move anymore. So we're trying to negotiate a helo that can go in and get her. So we, we've developed a HLZ to land. But we're honestly... We're, it, it's expensive, and and we're we're we're, we're short on resources. All right, well, you, uh, you're not anymore. You, hang on after, and we'll get you the resources. Hello, you're going to make me emotional, Glenn. Uh, I, I've I've literally taken this personal, and uh, that touches me. Thank you. Uh, but but we've got to get her out. I mean, she may have already lost her legs. And we can't get the State Department to help us. And so when you say evil, how how can you not? Because they know she, we've sent pictures of her legs because they asked us. We sent pictures of her of 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 her passport. They know who she is. And their 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 argument is is they can't help because her mom has a legal green card. She's legal. She's legal to be inside the United States, but she doesn't have a passport because she's only got her green card. And they're saying they can't help. But both her daughters have passports. Um, and I'm like, so you're saying that we got to leave from, we got, we get, we can take out the girl, but we can't take out the mom. And they said, no, we can't say that. Well, so how, what are we supposed to do here? And they couldn't give us an answer. It, it, and this kind of stuff has been so disheartening. We, we, we have fought them literally every step of the way. I know. Glenn. I know. And it is, and it's, it shouldn't be this way. They shouldn't be doing this. Even the, the story that they leaked about us by saying that they, I was lost in Afghanistan. I was never lost in Afghanistan. I knew exactly where we were at the whole time. Oh, they were I, making I you. Uh, we, were, we were watching you, and when you went dark, I knew why you went dark. But the State Department started leaking things that you were irresponsible and you're lost and probably dead. And this is what happens. And you're like, are you rooting for the man to die? Yeah. I mean, what what ended up happening to me is that I had to immediately get away because all of a sudden my face gets plastered all over international news. And no one knew who I was. I've never been a showboat member of Congress. I'm not I don't do that. I don't. I'm passionate about what I do. But I'm not I'm not out there trying to grab headlines. Representative uh, from Oklahoma, Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, um, who just got back from uh, Afghanistan, uh, help save American citizens, still trying to help save American citizens. So they made you I, I saw this. Um, I saw this line from you. You said I was it wasn't just me trying to be a cowboy. And I would just ask you to reconsider that. I think you were the ultimate cowboy. And I mean that in a good way. I trust cowboys. 
Cowboys know what honor and integrity is. Their word is their bond. They don't leave. They don't leave an animal behind, let alone uh, one of, you know, a person behind. They do the right Right. thing. Uh, And that is the the embodiment of the American spirit. And so I think you were a cowboy and I mean it in the best of ways. Well, I, I I appreciate that, Glenn. But listen, I was working with some just great Americans. I mean, these are veterans. These are tier one operators. These guys, when they're not uh, doing what they're doing right now, what their what their real job is, which they volunteer their time for, is to go get um, young men and young women out of sex trafficking that had been kidnapped um, or sold into to the rings, and they do it all over the all over the world. And that's what and it's called the Sentinel Foundation, and that's what they do. Uh, and they're they're non-political. They don't get involved in it. But I was blessed enough to be able to, to work with them. And so uh, I all I couldn't you know I was all I was trying to do is be an asset to these these professionals. It's what they do. And the idea that I was able to work with them, I'm blessed. But they are the you know people want to say you're Rambo. These guys are they 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 embody that that yeah. personality. And, and there's great people. I I I will tell you I've never seen senators and congressmen as powerless as they are. In the government, the the State Department's not afraid of no. packs of senators and congressmen working together. No, I, I truly believe the reason why they had they released that ridiculous story and even said that I was lost in Afghanistan, which wasn't true, was because they wanted to get a headline. They wanted to put a pressure on me and make me leave because they knew what was going to happen. They 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 are absolutely trying. But that's what a socialist country is, right? A socialist country isn't about for the people, by the people. It's not it's not about the people that are actually elected. It's about the top few. And that's what this administration has mm. taken. And I would have never thought we would be to where we're at. But, you know, a socialist country, they go in and they start promising people everything. They start taking care of all their needs. And what they end up doing is they create a, a, a lazy nation and then a lazy nation uh, um, becomes dependent on the federal government. And yep. when the federal government, they become dependent on the federal government, then they don't care about the elected officials. It's just the ones that are up top that's literally signing the checks. And when and they, and they strip away the power of the people, and they take it and they centralize it, and which is exactly what this administration is openly trying to do. I mean, they, they are embracing socialism, and, and they, they will use anything possible, including the sold-out media, uh, that is not you, but the sold out, you know, the media yeah, that's yeah, yeah. going to corporate media, just do whatever they want to and put out I, their message. I, I will. Mean, MSNBC shouldn't even be on the air. I will tell you, well, they have a right to free, free speech. Um, the what's what's crazy to me is um, Joe Biden being so bold yesterday, saying he will get those governors like Greg Abbott uh, out of the people's way on his new uh, vaccine mandate. You have quite a job ahead of you to hold the right. hold tight to the Constitution. And, and we have to. Even them threatening um, employees uh, that have over 100 employees. Well, my wife and I, we've been blessed, and we have, we have you know, well over 100 employees. Uh, and, and my employees don't want to be, I mean, the employees that want to be vaccinated, get vaccinated. Yeah. I, I don't say don't, but you can't force us to do that. If you don't want it, you shouldn't have to do it. But that's what the government is saying. We're going to force you to do it anyways. Yeah. Um, Congressman, thank you so much. Hang on the phone. I just want to make sure that we have uh, each other's information uh, so we can help you in any way we can. Uh, Representative Mark Wayne Mullen, the congressman from Oklahoma on his efforts in Afghanistan. 
You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Bill, I want to ask you one more question about uh, the vaccine mandates as it relates to Afghanistan. Um, you said earlier that um, this is clearly just him trying to distract people. Um, however, I see everything that is going on. And, and again, I, I watch the news differently than most people. But I see things that are going on and the way uh, Afghanistan went and everything that they do seems so minuscule there we're worried about the kids in the school with the mask it seems almost like a farce to me will this work for biden um his approval numbers will come up next week a little bit um because it's a he his base wants as much COVID restriction as possible. So the the progressive movement, very liberal people, they love this. I don't really know why, but they love it. And so the independents that they poll who are liberal will probably seek, you know, see him better than they did over Afghanistan. So I expect he'll bump up a little bit on mm. it. You don't think people are going to see... I'm going to get your governor out of the way. Well, the, uh, the conservatives will, and the the Republicans will, and the and the traditional leaning about, independents. They'll what, all. What they'll about all, all those people that said that Donald Trump was acting like a dictator, and we don't need a dictator? What about all those people? Yeah, but we don't need a Trump dictator, but we'd love okay. to have yeah, okay. a progressive dictator. All right. See, look, wait one more one more point. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is important. If you look at the whole world. All right, which I do because that's my job. All right. There has never been a socialist country that has not been run in a fairly totalitarian way. Sure. Never. And in order to get that in America, which is the end game for the progressives, they want socialism. You have to have a strong central government in D.C. that obliterates states rights and that is the overarch all right uh, bill let me switch to afghanistan um i've never seen uh our government openly openly standing on the wrong side of the lives of american citizens uh like they are now the state department has crossed the rubicon into I don't even know what um, there are many, many Americans that are still trapped there. And the State Department, by all accounts, I have not seen anyone that is a private uh, group that is trying to get these people out. There's no nonprofits, NGOs, not a single one that I have seen says anything other than this White House and the State Department are obstructing us every step of the way. And I believe that. I mean, you're in that. You know that. Uh, the Nazarene Fund is in that. I believe it. Um, and I can only guess at why. And that is they don't want to be embarrassed by these people now coming out because they couldn't get them out. Right? So if Biden can't get the Americans out, but Glenn Beck can... 
what does that do? That makes Biden look pretty weak, right? So that's what you're seeing. So you think this is all about pride? Or it's it- always that way. That's the way our federal government works in most states as well. It's all about CYA. So Biden made a terrible decision about extricating U.S. forces from Afghanistan. There's no question about that. You know, uh, 9-11 anniversary tomorrow night, I'm doing a lot of interviews. And um, uh, the question is, are we safer now? And I say, yeah, tomorrow we're safer than we were 20 years ago because the USA was successful in eradicating al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and booting the Taliban out. So we had some control over that terror haven. And then, of course, we got bin Laden and then al-Qaeda collapsed. So, yeah, right now we're safer than we were the day before 9-11, 20 years ago. But in six months, when ISIS has, uh, will reconstitute inside Afghanistan, so will al-Qaeda. Training camps will be set up. Recruiting camps will be set up. All of that's going to happen. Are we going to be as safe six months from now? And the answer is no. I mean, is Anthony Blinken going to protect you? How about General Milley? <laughs> you want those guys out front? How about Joe Biden, the commander-in-chief? Oh, we'll do it over the horizon. You know, Mr. Biden, with all due respect to the office, you went over the horizon decades ago. You can't even see the horizon anymore. The Afghan journalists that were beaten for covering a women's protest, uh, there are pictures mm. of these guys. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're... I have. It's... Almost, I mean, you you could barely look at these guys. The the bruises and the blood, um, they could barely walk. They were kicked to the ground. Their heads smashed against concrete repeatedly, beaten with bludgeons. Uh, and this is the this is the group that the. Do, do you think the White House ever believed that the Taliban was going to be possibly different? Than we all knew they were? No. I don't think Biden has any idea who the Taliban is. And by the way, the Taliban called Putin uh, to get his opinion on how they should handle a journalist. Um, mm-hmm. Those journalists were lucky they weren't beheaded. And they will they be, said, by the way. They said that. They, the one, yeah. they said and the they Taliban if said. They do it again, yeah. If they do it again, then it's beheading. This was just a warning. I mean, people don't understand or don't care. And, and the latter is, is Joe Biden. You know, if you're gay in Afghanistan and they catch you being gay or whatever, they're going to throw you off a roof. <laughs> you're dead. Um, if you steal, you're going to lose your hand. You get your hand cut off. Uh, if you're a woman and you look sideways, God help you. And I mean that literally. So, of course, Biden and and all the intel services and the Pentagon and the State Department, of course, they knew that. What do you think? These guys went to sensitivity camp, woke camp in uh, Napa Valley, California. The Taliban just kind of went over there. Oh, yeah, now we see we're we're woke. These these guys are savages. And there always will be. So are you saying that the the people that actually... You know, the thing I like about uh, David Horowitz um, is that he was a radical in the 60s and changed um, because he saw what his policies, what he was screaming about, led to 
the deaths of all of the people, you know, uh, in the in in the Far East after we pulled out. And he saw that and he realized you people don't actually care about anybody. Do, do you do you think that there are any women that are looking at this and saying, wait a minute, I, I thought you guys believed in something or is it? No, I don't. I mean, I'm generalizing right. now. I'm sure there are uh, I'm sure there are times up women and whatever else they're doing. But no, I, I, I really believe that. People who allow ideology to consume them, and this is on all spectrums, they lose sight of what's real, of what actually is happening, because they're lost in their ideology trying to justify everything they do. And so you don't hear women's groups in America saying, oh, the Afghan women, I mean, have you heard that? Have you heard Code Pink? No, I, mean, I, know, I, I, I don't know. No. No, I mean, none of them. Yeah. Uh, where's Alyssa Milano? I mean, I don't even know who that is, by the way. Is that a real person? <laughs> Alyssa Milano. Uh, I, let I me, just see the name. All I the time. Was she in my mother, the car? What show was she <laughs> in? I don't know. Uh, Bill, let me uh, wrap it up with this. 20 years ago tomorrow, 9-11. Your reflection on this. Well, I ran a clip of my report. Um on Fox News last night on the No Spin News, and I wouldn't change a word of it, uh, that I, what I reported on 20 years ago, um, people could see what I did. Um, you know, my town on Long Island, uh, dozens dead. Uh, my children grew up with their children. If you lose a loved one, a friend, to violent crime, and that's what this is, of course, violent murder, that never ever goes away. That pain is there with you your whole life. And I think that's a central theme of our remembrance. And obviously, we can't ever let that happen again here in America. And obviously, the progressive left is bringing us back to a time where it could happen again. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. Make sure you join and uh, see his No Spin News every day at BillOReilly.com. Thanks, Bill. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Dave Icey is a uh, uh, friend of the program and uh, the guy who started StoryCorps. How long ago, Dave, did you do this? Hey, Glenn. Um, StoryCorps started 17 years ago. 17 years ago. And um, yeah. and a lot of conservatives aren't aware of StoryCorps because they generally have been carried on NPR. Uh, but it's not a liberal conservative kind of thing. It's American stories, and they're all being preserved by the National Archives. And they are fantastic. And we wanted to concentrate on 9-11. And your archives must be incredible on 9-11. We do have a lot of stories on, on 9-11, Glenn, and, and you're right about conservatives not knowing about StoryCorps. 
But thanks to you, that's starting to change, uh, which is really so. important to us. Because as you said, you know, we we hope to grow into kind of a national treasure, collecting the wisdom yeah. of who we are as, as Americans. Yes. Um, yeah, we've had a bunch of special initiatives, about a dozen through the years at StoryCorps. And our first one was with the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. And we are working with them to record a story to honor every one of the lives lost on September 11th. Wow. Um, so we have lots and lots and lots and lots of, of, of stories collected. Um, uh, you know, just honoring the, the, the it's, they're, they're not so much about what happened on the day of September 11th, but finding out who that person was who, who was lost on that, on that um, terrible day. So I want to end with the ticket counter guy. Um, tell me what else you brought to the table today. Tell me the first story you want so, to share. Sure. So um, we, we're, I'm going to I'm going to play. The, the, this is these are tough stories. Just a warning to your audience, especially the first one. Um, this first story was recorded by a retired uh, FDNY fire department captain named John Vigiano. He had two sons, John, who was a police officer and Joe, a firefighter like his dad. Um, they were both killed on the attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. John came to StoryCorps with his wife, Jan, to remember the two sons that he lost on that day. Here it is. There were a couple of days each year you were allowed to take your children to work, and Joe loved it. That was his birthday present, that he would spend the night in the firehouse. We'd have a cake, and the guys I work with, they would take a milk container, and they'd cut out the facsimile of a building, and they'd put it on the top of the cake, and then they would light it up. And they would tell Joe to put it out, and he would throw a pot of water on it. The birthday cake was a little soggy, but this is what he wanted. And Joe started dating a young lady whose father was a police officer. And he come home one day, and he says, I'm taking a police test. I says, Joe, you're only 17 years old. He says, ah, no big deal. On the other side of the room, my son, John, wanted to be the next Donald Trump. He was going to make a million dollars and take care of his mother and father. But in 1984, I came down with throat cancer. He noticed then how my unit took care of us. And he says, I'm going to become a fireman. I says, you're kidding me. Firemen don't make millions of dollars. How am I going to live like a king? But I was very happy, very proud. My father had been on the fire department, and he was the first one to be issued badge number 3436. And they reissued it to my son, John. So the badge was only used by two. Both the boys uh, would call me when they were working. John would always call around 3.30, 4 o'clock. And that particular night, September 10th, we spoke for a few minutes. And I says, I love you. And he says, I love you. Joe called me in the morning and told me to turn on the television that a plane just hit the Trade Center. He says, I'm heading south on West Street. This is a big one. And I just said, be careful. I love you. He says, I love you too. That was it. We had the boys for John for 36 years, Joe for 34 years. Ironically, badge number 3436. I don't have any could have, should have, or would have. I wouldn't have changed anything. <laughs> There's not many people that the last words they said to their son or daughter was, I love you. And the last words they heard was, I love you. So that makes me sleep at night. (sighs) 
it is uh it's so unnatural to die before your children um but to lose two of them the same tragedy on the same day is in, in different roles is is just um i can't imagine the pain uh, there was a there is a story that you guys did at the ticket counter that we want to play and set this up because you know as i listened to this before you came on i i've never even thought of this guy and what he's been walking around with is unbelievable um and i'd like to hear an update on him if you have one after we listen to the story can you set this up Sure. Uh, and I will say, you know, you and I talk about StoryCorps, you know, collecting the wisdom of humanity. And on that John and Joe piece, you know, when you hear him say the importance of saying I love you to the people who matter to you, you know, as those of us who are dads and moms, you know, when you hear a story like that, you're never not going to say I love you as the last thing you say to your kids yeah. ever again, you know, because yeah. it, it just reminds you what's important. Yeah, this is so this is this is a story that um, that's that takes place um, on September twelfth. Um, it's a guy named Vaughn Alex, who um, very well may be a listener to this show, um, mm. who was who was working um, the ticket counter at Dulles Airport. He checked in two men who arrived late. He followed all the the security protocols, um, and the next day he learned that they were two of the five hijackers who diverted American Airlines Flight seventy seven to crash into the Pentagon. <sighs> killing 59 passengers and crew and 125 people at the Pentagon. Well, so this is Vaughn Alex coming to StoryCorps um, to talk about, um, about that day. Listen. I didn't know what I had done. It wasn't until the next day, September 12th, that I started finding out what happened. I came to work, and people wouldn't look at me in the eye, and they handed me the manifest for the flight. I just stared at it for a second, and then I looked up, I go, I did it, didn't I? I checked in a family, it was a retiree and his wife. I had time to talk to them. There was a student group, and I checked in a lot of those kids and parents, teachers, and uh, they were gone. They were just all gone. Once it became known, people didn't talk to me. And I, I had this wild kind of thing in my mind that everything that happened on September 11th was my fault personally, that I could have changed it. I, I felt there was no place for me in the world. There were all these support groups, and I didn't belong there. Because how do I sit in a room with people that are, that are mourning and crying and they're like, you know, what's your role in this whole thing? Well, I checked in a couple of the hijackers and made sure they got on the flight. I might go weeks or months and everything would be just going along fine and then there'd be something that would trigger it. I was checking in somebody and what she said was, my husband got killed on September 11th. And what I heard was, you killed my husband on September 11th. You know, you don't really move past it. It's still always there in some form. 
but now, you know, I'm able to talk about it. I mean, I feel like in, in some ways I've, I really have come out of a shadow and I'm, I'm back in the light now. That's Vaughn Alex. Um, and if you, Vaughn, if you happen to be listening to us, I, I it would be an honor to talk to you. Um, uh, please reach out. We're going to try to reach out and, and see if we can get a hold of him. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I, I can recall a story that is as big and profound as this, um, where I didn't even think of the people at the, at the counter checking in maybe in the, Maybe around that time, I, I might have, in a passing thought, thought, wow, how would it be if you were? But I never really thought how alone those people were in their grief. I mean, what are there? Three? Yeah. Uh, that is, yeah. That no. is a very small support group. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, that's when you have a, you know, part of, part of what goes on with a tragedy that's as big as this is that we can't conceive all of the, you know, ripples that come off of a tragedy like that. You know, there's a woman who came to uh, StoryCorps who was the last person on the last elevator down from the World Trade Center. and The door was closing and she saw a friend and she said, hold that door. And he put his hand in the door and the door opened and she walked in and that was it. One second later, she would have, you know, she would have been dead. She actually came in with the guy who opened the door for her. So there's so many stories like that. And, you know, part of part of what we try and do it's so it's it's hard for you know. There's the saying that you know uh, 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 that that uh, a, one death is a tragedy, a thousand deaths is a you know is a is a is a statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we try and do with StoryCorps is is remind people you know the the sanctity of of every single life and of every single story. Dave, um, I, I, and, I I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. I mean, it it is. You know, when when societies begin to separate themselves and they no longer see themselves as one, um, those societies are are headed towards really bad things. And we've so demonized one another and we have isolated ourselves, even though we have connections like we've never had in the history of all mankind um, and we don't know each other and um Keeping our humanity is going to mean the difference between the horrors of what we know man can do uh, and the great things that we know man can do. And I think you're playing a big role in that. Well, you, you are, too. You know, we, what, we, what we usually talk about when I come on is uh, one small step, which is this new effort of StoryCorps. You know, we've had 750,000 people who love each other come to StoryCorps. And with one small step, we're putting strangers across the political divide together. And and your show has become the number one, number one referrer for conservatives in the country. Um, so this is where it starts. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about September 12th. I was in New York. And, you know, this has been talked about a lot, but it was a different world for a couple of days. Um, and we're not in that world anymore. You know, is this the country we want to leave for our kids where we see our neighbors as our most dangerous enemies? No. Who, you know, John Vigiano, did he vote for Trump? Did he know. vote for Biden? I don't know. Don't care. Does it matter? No. Don't care. 
So I hope I hope that people will continue. We have thousands of people on our waiting list now, thanks to you. Um, we're going to get through all of them. We're ramping up. Um, the idea is to have a conversation with someone who um, is on the opposite side of the political divide. It's not about your politics, but just about who you are as human beings so that we can begin to see each other again. Mother Teresa said we've forgotten that we belong to each other. Um, and we can, we, we, you know, either, either we keep going down the path we're going, um, and if that, if that happens, the only thing we know for sure is it's not going to end well. Um, and there is another path. And I hope that your listeners will help us, um, you know, lead the country down that other path where it can be like September 12th, where we can begin to see each other again and we can, you know, be the greatest country that we can possibly be. How do people reach out to you? Take one small step dot org. Um, come sign up, be a part of this, get to know uh, through a conversation over um, a secure uh, portal that goes to the Library of Congress, get to know someone on the on the opposite side of the political divides. Um, everybody who's done this has had a good experience. It always ends with people asking for the phone numbers of the people that they talk to. In fact, I have to say, the last time I was on, we played a story of a mother and her son, the yeah. kid, had Asperger's syndrome. Yeah. And afterwards, um, she is a newspaper columnist, and someone from your show reached out and said, I don't believe... Uh, I don't I don't agree with anything you say in politics, but we agree on the most important things in life, which is about how to raise a family and how to raise our children. I want to do a one small step recording with you. So hopefully next time I come on, they'll have. Oh, that. that'll be great. That. That'll be yeah. great. Dave, thank you so much. Take one small step dot org. Thank you. God bless. Da, 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 da.